Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg. I'm Jen. And this is episode 33. 33. And a lot of the times we have to talk about what we would call stories. And you know what a lot of stories are? Is a lot of stories are negative and <laughs> like it's always like these people are fighting and here's a lawsuit and all this other stuff. We have a little bit of that today. Just a tiny bit. But we got some cool stuff too. I think so. So it's not all like downers and downers like it sometimes is, even though it's us putting a positive spin on those downers. We so, take some uppers. So with that being said, here's the downers. <laughs> <laughs> so our first story is that last week we talked about Mighty Number no. 9 and how people weren't getting their physical rewards for all of their funding on Kickstarter. Well, we are happy to report that the physical rewards are shipping yeah so we didn't even know if they were being shipped there was just that weird email that came from fan gamer give us your address give us your (laughs) you know reconfirm your address in a couple days or you don't get it and we're like wait what so we're gonna get it me i'd even forgotten if you remember the podcast when i talked about i had totally forgotten about it so um i had totally forgotten about it and then all of a sudden you know we were gonna do this story and it's funny because we're recording this on monday to go up monday night um which normally we would record this on sunday but we had a little bit of a delay and then today in the mail at the store, I got my physical. What? So part of the problem, though, so we'll get we'll get to the we'll get to the part of the problem here. So basically, this has affected people who bought what they were. It was a physical reward. The physical reward was supposed to be a replica video game box, either mm-hmm. styled as a Western release or a Japanese style Nintendo game. So either a Famicom game if you're in Japan or a Nintendo game if you're in the U.S. Yes. And then they were going to have a. a full color instruction manual for said box (laughs) so a lot of people came out saying that wow this thing really sucks and that their manual would not fit in their box and so basically what happened was since a famicom box is a lot smaller yes than a nintendo box an nes box famicom ones are maybe two-thirds the size they made the color manual. It's not the same size as an NES game manual. It's just big enough to fit the NES game box. And I mean, when you look, some people posted on Twitter photos of the manual and photos of the box, usually together. And one of them has the box on top of the manual. And it's a good, I'd say, inch and a half difference lengthwise. So it's too long. I think the, the height from the top to the bottom is relatively the same but it's the length that's it's too it's too long to fit in the box what i don't understand is why they didn't make the booklet (laughs) the size of an nes booklet because if you did that it would have fit into both boxes but they didn't they made it like a bigger thing which fits perfectly into my nes style box which i was fine with however does not fit well to people who bought the famicom style box now i am a freelance graphic designer And I can understand them making the decision to create one sized booklet, one size to fit them all. But the key phrase is to fit them all. So what they should have done is create the booklet to fit the smallest box. (laughs) Right. And clearly this was one of those things where they said, hey, we have to print 50,000 manuals, do it. And they did. But just another they could, part of the saga that they could not ever capitalize or they could never, um, what do I want to say? They could never fulfill their promises to their backers. They skipped and they, f- you know, f- flubbed all along the way 
And then they had to do it one last time. Hey, everybody, you're going to get those physical rewards. Oh, perfect. Well, here's one more FU. <laughs> it just doesn't fit in the box. No, now, I, that don't, is, I don't agree with people saying that they're going to throw them in the trash and they're all, they're, it's very hyperbolic. But, I mean, again, I'm coming from the the perspective of being a freelance graphic designer. Now, could they have gotten around it and just shrunk the booklet? Yes. But it looks like it's around 34 to 35 pages, which is not an easy task, but probably would have taken their in-house graphic designer less than a day to do. Well, and I, I flipped through the manual, and the manual is nice. Like, I, I liked it. I thought it was cool. And it was full color. There were some people saying it wasn't full color. Like, the cover doesn't look color. But when you get into the actual manual, there's color in there. It was fine. It was, it was, I, I wasn't disappointed with what I got. But I guess I thought there'd be a little more to it. Like, I was, I mean, it comes very unceremoniously. It's a flattened box that you have to put together yourself. And I the think manuals that's okay because we, you know how many people would complain about crushed boxes. Right. For shipping purposes, I get it. But it just kind of felt like, you know, you were expecting this grand prize and then it shows up and you're like, Oh, you know, like, like when you open a box of Legos when you were a kid at Christmas, you're like, oh my God, this Lego set looks awesome. And then it's just a thousand Lego pieces. You're like, I mean, I know that's how they have to do it, but it still sucks because it wasn't what you were expecting. You've got to build the Millennium Falcon. You can't just assume that it's going to be I don't believe that whoever, anybody ever (laughs) built one of those things fully. Uh, I'm just saying it. I do. And his name is Peter. (laughs) Okay. Well, (laughs) if there's one person in the world who's going to do it, it's going to be Peter. Hey, I went to, remember, we went to Lego World in Minnesota, and I wanted to get a Millennium Falcon Lego set, and they were all out. That's right. That's right. I was so disappointed. I'm like, the one place I thought, and I refused to buy it online because I wanted that awesome feeling of picking it out and, and bringing it to the counter and getting like probably one of those Chinese soup containers full of Legos as well. And I didn't even get didn't to do happen. that didn't happen i don't know it it's 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 like i always say you're you're you under promise and over deliver mm-hmm. that's you want to make your customers happy that's what you do well they under promised the fact that it was gonna fit they under promised <laughs> they over promised and under delivered like by miles and it's so disappointing because it just it just shows like everything about this was a mess everything and it's so frustrating to me that you know we're supposed to trust kickstarters and we're supposed to you know, want to back more things like KJ Inafune, the, the designer and developer like of this game, he created a new studio to do this when he left Capcom. And this is what happened. Like, I mean, how do you ever want to give this guy money ever again? Like this will follow him. You oh, would think sure. forever, especially because his company then got bought by that other company. So he's not even in charge of his own company anymore. He's back working for another company. You know, I, it's so disappointing for somebody who clearly understands how game design works. I just, this feels like one of those, just cash-ins like you know what the, the customers are stupid and it doesn't matter we just you know and i think here's what i'm going to be here's what i'm going to tell you too so the way this worked was this physical rewards were fulfilled by a company called fan gamer so they're basically the creator of physical merchandise whether it's t-shirts sometimes they do physical prints of games they do different stuff they had a deal with this company to release this game i think what happened was fan gamer was going to sue concept mm. saying that we're getting negative fan reaction um, this is all negative. It cost us revenue. It cost us money. You have to do this. You have to get this product out. And then once they got bought by that, uh, by level five, once they got bought by level five, then that I believe was in the contract. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. That was sure. in the contract that said they had to pay that debt off. That was part of the company's issue. 
And I think that if Fangamer wasn't in charge of this, if this was just the company who was supposed to do these without having partnered with another company, I bet we never would have got these. Probably not. So I guess we can thank Fangamer for that. But, I mean, this is a clear case of miscommunication or being uncommunicative or having two completely separate people that maybe didn't work well together. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know interpersonally who, who did it. But... It's obvious that the two puzzle pieces did not connect Th- this... to create this this art because it is when you think about it, it it's it's somebody's it's somebody's project somebody was in charge of that and somewhere along the line the ball was dropped it could have been something as simple as miscommunicating miscommunicating the final dimensions of either the box or the booklet it could have been something simple like that this is the dimensions. Uh, this is the dimension of the box. Okay, I will design it. I don't know. It, it it could be that the person who designed it was told that the Japanese release version would be the same size as the NES yeah. version. It, it's a variety of reasons, but the fact that they didn't stop production and say, "Wait a second, this isn't going to work." <laughs> well, and you could tell it's just a rush job. Yeah, it was, it was a job that had to get done, and it they just a... rushed it out. Um, it reminds me of that line in basketball when, like, after they lose, and Coop's like, well, it was a team effort. It took every one of us <laughs> playing this fad to lose this game yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Like it's, like, it's like the exact opposite of, you know, it's like, oh, you know, we won because everyone pulled their part, and, oh, man, it was it was a team effort. We won together, and he's like, it was a team effort. Uh, we, we It took us all working hard to lose this one together <laughs> or something. You know, it's just great. But, but I will I will admit that, Sometimes you don't even realize what's going on until you get that physical print. Recently, I did all of the graphic design for our wedding invitations. And one of the pieces was a folder or a pocket that the invitation would fit in. Now, in my head, I was thinking, oh, okay, it's got a cutout here, and I want a mirror image, so I'm going to duplicate that, flip it over, mirror it, it'll be great. I got it printed, I cut it out, I folded it in half. It was completely wrong. The thing that was supposed to be cut out on one side was on the opposite side of the back. But if you would have asked me, are all these prints, I would have been, yep, send them to print, I got it, no worries, they're perfect, and they weren't. Mm-hmm. And it's just, if you don't get that opportunity to manipulate or have that tactile reaction to something, maybe they maybe they weren't given that opportunity. Or, as you said, it was a rush job enough that they noticed the issue and then the resolution was, eh, just send it. Well, yeah, that's going to be possible, who too. Who knows what happened? That's, that's very possible, too. And it could be that the graphic designer was like, oh, shoot, (laughs) (laughs) or whatever the Japanese equivalent is. And I don't know. I don't either. But it it could have been something brought it to their attention and then they just made that decision. So you can't necessarily blame the graphic designer because you weren't involved. But I can definitely empathize with the graphic designer. Yeah. Well, I, I just feel like it's one of those things, though, like they probably had... The files already finished. They had the, you know, like the manual ready to go and they sent it to printing and it was just Mm -hmm. one of those oversights, you know, and just, it just was what it was. But, and I think they knew it and they're like, we can't reprint these. This is it. 
just right. send it because we only have the money to do it yeah and not that it's right but obviously this company is clearly frustrated with the situation too whether it's their fault or not they're still like you know what jesus just just send it you know like just mm-hmm. just push it out i'm done with it eh. i mean it's not the right thing but it makes sense yeah i mean it it all depends i mean you'd have to be a part of the company to really know what happened or be involved in those conversations to really know but the chain of communication broke down at some point and that was the outcome and they either didn't know it until it was too late and somebody was like hey wait a second or they knew it and knowingly sent Mm -hmm. out that product which was subpar i i don't know i i would have hoped that had they known that it was wrong they would have fixed it but it could have been the box art was printed over here the the booklet was printed over there and then one shipping place got the they all came to a warehouse and yep. them and, and then nobody yep, just said one of this and one of this you put them together and you shoot them out you yep. know um I, I don't know it's it's just it's disappointing and and that only went out to people that backed it with 60 dollars or more Aww. this was a 20 dollar game so they're basically saying that that 40 dollars was for a box and manual like that it's frustrating to me because as a physical collector i thought there'd be something more to it like like a, when i got the river city ransom one there's like a fake plastic cartridge inside i was just gonna say like you know, a fake cartridge it's, fr- it's just frustrating to me i guess and well considering that they probably are losing money at this point for that <laughs> it's like why be ang- more angry they're already losing their butts yeah i i feel i feel badly for them because you know if if you just don't understand how kickstarter works <laughs> you yeah. know it, it, you those who do not listen must feel <laughs> and unfortunately they're feeling pretty bad right now i'm sure so you know what else was a huge disappointment jen oh you know <laughs> i think i know where i'm going with this well, okay, let me ask you this first okay did you ever play pokemon go no i okay. played for you when we were driving yeah places that's when it right first came out that's right when we were trying to cheat when we were driving to the brewery game it's hard to and, ch- and, to you, and you had to really car. quick click it it's very hard to do in a car yeah it's not very safe for me to do by myself in a car so i had to have you help I did. so i i actually thought it was a neat idea um i was never i've never been a pokemon guy but I was using it as like a workout supplement. So when I was out running or biking, I thought it'd be really cool to have something to do while doing that. Sure. Um, And there's a lot of shortcomings, unfortunately, such as you can't minimize out of it. So I couldn't like listen to music and have that on. It was, you know, it was just a lot of headaches with it. It doesn't work properly and that's fine. But for some reason, a year later, and and I think it's fair to say this, this whole game has had a roller coaster ride. Yes. So it's it's been as far as it was an amazing launch. It launched and there were millions of people playing instantly. I remember last summer during KitsuneCon, there was actually a Pokemon pub crawl downtown. <laughs> and every bar had different like Pokemon themed drinks wow. and they were dropping lures left and right. It was a it was actually and the streets were packed. Mm-hmm. Everybody phone in hand. Like it was well, nuts. And it was like when we were at the Brewer game, we were like three rows ahead of us there was a guy playing pokemon go yeah. and i still see people come in and because the, there's a couple of pokey stops around and they are doing updates like they're adding legendaries now and you know but this is a year out so now the game's been out a year and it just like they it, it's almost like the mighty number nine thing like once once you have something so important but you have people like that can't properly handle that importance it all falls apart so for yeah. some reason, Niantic, which is the company that created Pokemon Go, because it's not made by Nintendo. It's made by a company called Niantic. That is true. And they decide to have a Pokemon Go festival. Oh, that sounds great. Not a, uh, not a bad idea, right? Get a bunch of people together in an area, like playing a mobile game. and 
like that on paper fantastic on paper this idea is fine you know where they should do it too in a great big city big city makes a lot sense of attendance like right? i'm not even being sarcastic at this point like this <laughs> this was it was a good city to do it it was in chicago and of course this was actually was this last weekend or the weekend before i think it was last weekend let me let me look it up and of course the whole entire fest is just a mess so the whole thing is trash. So to celebrate its one year anniversary, they get a bunch of people together that pay money to go. I don't know how much the tickets were, uh, but they had to pay money to go. You went in there. First thing they don't have set up, Wi-Fi hotspots. Oh my God. So let's put, I don't know how many people were there. I don't have the numbers. I'm going to say roughly a couple thousand people. Let's put a couple thousand people on the same cell tower accessing massive amounts of data oh, all at the same time man. and let's see how that works uh, well it didn't nope clearly uh and then and then uh and, and the antics apologizing right they're saying oh we're sorry why don't you be good the the ceo got booed when he went on stage and then yeah. apparently uh one of the hosts had a bottle of water thrown at them yep i mean now it was chicago it's so. chicago they, I, I'm from that area, and we we get upset about things, and that we are very vocal about voicing our discontent. So at least it wasn't just a water bottle. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> at least it's a water bottle. It, it's. But it's it's crazy to me that you have what could just be one of the biggest things for Nintendo's back pocket to have at all times. You've got a company who, I mean, Pokemon is arguably one of the world's largest franchises. And oh my God, they botched this. Like, I don't know how you don't test these sort of things. How do you not talk to the to the local area, well, why do you like cell tower? And why, why aren't you? Like none of that. Like all the things, you have to look at your product and say, okay, we want to get people to play. I mean, take Pokemon Go out of it. Let's say you wanted to do a Tekken tournament. What are you going to need for that? Oh, I don't know. Probably TV, a system, and some bunch controllers. Of systems <laughs> to play the game. You need copies of the game. You need everybody needs a controller. Everybody should have access to some sort of wristband. You need screens to display. You need trophies to give out to the winners. I mean, just create a checklist. That's all you had to do. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, and so normally you could make an argument, say with a tournament, say I was going to host a Tekken tournament and I don't know how many people are going to show up. So I anticipate 20 people are going to show up. And if 60 people show up, mm-hmm. oh boy, I'm in trouble. This tournament's going to take a lot longer than I wanted to. People get angry. That's on me. I'll learn for the next time. However, when you have an event like this and you sell tickets in advance, yes. you have a pretty good idea of uh-huh. how many people are coming. And I just don't, again, it's it's just, this is like one of the biggest mobile apps ever made popularity wise and how do you screw this up so bad well and just think about the people that don't live in the chicagoland area who probably attended this because chicago is home to o'hare airport which is a huge hub in terms of flights international and domestic how many people may have flown in to chicago specifically for this event and to have this type of experience, I know that I would be pretty upset. Well, and it's not, I mean, I question anybody who I guess would go to a Pokemon festival, but to each their own. But you're right. 
there were people who made a big trip for this. And and I understand that they are admitting to the mistake they made. They're offering full refunds of tickets. So I'm full giving them refunds. full refunds. Uh, and $100 in Pokecoins. I don't even know what those are. I didn't play enough don't to get you, those. you use that to like buy stuff? Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, like, yeah, okay. And then like, more the legendary Pokemon Lugia getting added to their account. So they're just giving them a legendary for all this stuff happening. That's nice. So they're trying to take care of it. But again, I'm not mad that I don't, I'm not talking about this because I feel like it's something that they did. I mean, that, uh, that they handled poorly, like they did on the festival side of it. They're, they're apologizing for it. They're trying to make it right. But how do you let this happen in the first place? I guess is my real question with all that. And I just don't get it. I, I don't get how Nintendo doesn't have more of a thumb on these guys because Nintendo protects their properties very well. So where's Nintendo to step in and be like, what in the hell are you guys doing? So first of all, where's that? And then second of all, where do you have these guys saying like, and obviously they're making money hand over fist on this thing. You could make so much more if you didn't screw it up. Well, it's that easy. You know, unfortunately kind of like how we talked about with mighty number nine, it's going to somewhat taint the brand where people are going to be very apprehensive about going to another event that there's, they're going to plan. Right. And and I actually, like, I've definitely felt the success of Pokemon Go has waned a lot. Oh, like, for sure. It was super, super popular, you know, last year, and it was untouchable for, like, six months. Mm-hmm. Then people started getting irritated with the small problems and all these other things. And now, I mean, a year later, I don't ever really hear many people talk about it anymore at all. Like every now and then someone comes in and they're still playing it, but it's certainly not anywhere near where it was last summer. No, it's one of those slow burn kind of things. You know, you'll probably open it and play it for a long time. Consecutive days, meaning is what I mean. Mm -hmm. And then you won't play it for a long time and then you pick it up again. It's one of those kind of games. Like I'm that way with games like Candy Crush. Because I sure, get really just something to play. I hate microtransaction apps. Either charge me up front and I don't have to pay again, or don't try and don't weasel a dollar <laughs> out of me every single opportunity. It's like, no, no, no. I'll play my five rounds and then I'll just... What Here's what bothers me the most. And I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here. But I do love playing Candy Crush. No, Soda Crush is my favorite. Mm-hmm, yep. You don't like it. That's another story. Nope. But they give you these rewards for whatever reason. Like you get a reward and it's something like, oh, you get unlimited lives for two hours. Well, I'm at the end of my lunch break and I am not going to be able to use this because you gave me unlimited lives for two hours. I didn't choose to 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 cash that in why don't you let me cash that in? yeah bank it or something like it's you an item it you could me. use yes. at your leisure is you, your you complaint gave okay. it to me so you obviously don't care that you're giving me two hours of unlimited lives but yet you won't let me choose when i can use it that i call shenanigans on well and i got frustrated with pokemon go because i started bike riding mm-hmm. you know uh as my morning workout and when you're walking, you're, you incubate these like eggs and then you hatch new Pokemon. Well, they designed it so that if you go too fast, it doesn't work. And I understand that. They didn't want people driving in a car sure. and getting credit for walking. The idea was to get people out and, and out and about. Well, I was riding my bike at a casual pace and that was too fast. Was it a medium pace? Uh, casual pace. <laughs> That's a great song by a young Adam Sandler. Um, 
but uh sorry it it's just it was frustrating to me because it's like i was using that as an exercise tool as intended and they're like oh your bike riding is too fast my bike riding was not too fast it was just as fast as someone doing like a steady jogging pace so i mean these little things kept popping up going you know what I like what you guys are doing, but I'm not going to deal with these stupid, annoying little circumstances just to try to play your game. Mm -hmm. Not going to do it. There's a million other games out there to play that can do the same thing. I can do my zombie run game for working out, which I love. Absolutely love playing that. It's like a a radio (laughs) drama. Uh, It's really great. So anyway, you know, anyway, uh, there was a Pokemon Go Fest. It was a total crap show, just like the game was when it first came out, just like the game is now. I don't know. No one cares. Remember when it was cool? Remember when people were finding dead bodies playing Pokemon Go? Hey, well, okay. <laughs> remember, remember when people were getting hit by cars? Why can't we just go back to that? Now, if... Just you kidding. Wa- if, no, I don't like people getting hit by cars. But if you are a little bit of a morbid type A little person, bit? I, I'm going to say this is leaning to more like you have a dark sense of humor, but you're also kind of weird. If you go to the following website... <laughs> <laughs> PokemonGoDeathTracker.com. Oh my God! It will tell you, with links to the appropriate article, it will tell you uh, how many injuries have occurred because of Pokemon Go, and it has to be within the article. Okay. And how many people have died playing the game? It's <laughs> so kind of sick, but it was linked in the article, and so I was like, oh. Hmm. <laughs> yeah that's so that's so dumb i mean it's funny but it's dumb i just don't i here's what i understand and i guess maybe they make ad revenue but who like creates this website and then like are they still updating it like is it current uh, let's see well the most recent date was may 15th 2017 well clearly pokemon re- pokemon go related deaths have gone down well this was an injury this was a pokemon go player suffers serious injury and loses sight in one eye now, any more details was how he... oh, boy. let's find out Let, let's let's just for funsies let's see let's find out the young trainer was reportedly so engrossed in what was happening on his mobile phone that he lost his footing tripped and fell unexpectedly the report doesn't detail whether he had his eye come in contact with something or if he simply fell directly to the ground, but the end result is the same. The 14-year-old sustained an afferent pupillary defect, which means his pupil was responding to light in an improper way due to some optic nerve damage sustained from the fall. Now, Is that like permanent blindness in that eye then? It doesn't really specify, Jeez. but it does say that he will likely never see out of that eye again without surgical intervention. Oh, okay. Well. Now, I will admit, uh, when I was in college, I had a, a medical issue with my eye called iritis. And people can look it up. I'm not going to belabor what it what it is. But one of the symptoms was that my pupil didn't respond to light stimulation. Okay. It is one of the strangest things in the world to look at yourself in the mirror and you've got a regularly sized pupil responding. You look at the light and you look and Oh you sure, see like your you eye. see it like it goes bigger and smaller. Okay. Right. And then one just doesn't even move. Doesn't move doesn't respond to any sort of light stimulus whatsoever it stayed very teeny tiny that's weird so when it comes to you know your eyes you don't want to mess around so hopefully this boy which i think is in australia 
no Washington in Washington man I mean that sucks I, I that also just makes me feel weird because that just shows that you could just fall down and then lose your sight from falling down like how many times have you fallen down like I don't know how many times I've I've been like jumping up the stairs here like just running up the stairs uh-huh. and my toe catches and I just slam my knee what if every time you did that you lost an eyeball well you know I mean obviously what what must have happened was uh there was damage to the eye so he may have fallen face first and something uh got to his to his eye because usually your nose is pretty good about stopping things before it gets to your yeah, eye. Yeah, and your and your eyes are incredibly responsive. Like something coming out of your eye. Right. And how quickly you can shut your eyes or blink. Like that's mm-hmm. like nanoseconds to respond to that. But it could have been something like uh, he fell forward and maybe his eye encountered his phone. And oh, sure. So Wouldn't it, that be just... It would just be kind of The, the cherry on that crap Sunday. Poetic. <laughs> I don't know if poetic justice is the right term, but... Uh, Anything can happen. I mean, I didn't do anything to get iritis. It just happened spontaneously. And they told me if I ever got it again, they would have to have me have surgery Hmm. because then it becomes chronic. And there's no, they kept asking me if I damaged my eye in any way. And I said, no, I think I would remember. And crazy. No, no reason for it. So you don't want to mess around when it comes to your eyes. Yeah. Wear sunglasses. So. I want to take all that negative crap, push it away. We're done. We're done with the negative stuff. So halfway it. in, we're done with the negative stuff. We're going to talk about some cool stuff now. Yay. Finally. So last week, we talked about... Stadium events. Stadium events. Sealed the stadium events. Very, very quickly leaving the shelves video game that Nintendo had purchased and rebranded as a different game. For track the- and f- uh, yeah, track and a world-class track meet. Uh, with the power pad. pad. Yep, world-class track meet, yep. So there was another story that was related to another original Nintendo game, a sealed copy of Super Mario Brothers. So recently, a sealed copy of Super Mario Brothers for the NES, brand new sealed. Brand spanking new. Sold at auction for $30,100.44. 44 cents. Okay, so this this actually was very eye-opening to me. When I heard a sealed stadium event sold for what 47,000? Around that, yeah. I was like, okay. Like that didn't surprise me at all. Mm-hmm. This is mind-boggling to me. No, why do you say that? Okay, so a little background on this. So originally the Nintendo did not come packed with Super Mario Brothers. Yes. The original Nintendo uh, was either uh, by itself or it came with uh, Rob the Robot and a copy of Gyromite. Super Mario Bros. was a launch title, so they shipped it separately in this package for maybe the first six months to a year. Okay. After that, they started including Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt right. in with the system. And that's how I remember it. Right. So, and that's how most people remember it. In fact, it's funny, the loose cartridge of just Super Mario Brothers by itself is worth more than Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt put together on one card. So <laughs> Probably, even though it's one game, yeah. it, it's a rarity thing, not a right, game it's not, thing. It's not the game. So when I saw that this sold for 30000 though, that blows my mind. Because this is not uh, Stadium Events, which was essentially a non-released game or a game that was released and then pulled off shelves. This game was in full production for X amount of years. Now, I agree there's probably not very many. 
But this was really crazy to me well, because a lot of really good condition NES games will sell for three or four hundred dollars. You know that are mm-hmm. really good and like like a Metroid and some other stuff. Sure. But now we're talking like thirty thousand dollars seems <laughs> unfathomable to me. I would not believe this if the writer of this article had not confirmed that the buyer did pay the seller. Wow! Like it's been one hundred percent confirmed that he paid. It I I just don't understand. What makes this game sealed worth $30,000? Well, I was looking at the article, and I I will fully admit, Greg, before we got together, I didn't know very much about complete inbox video games. Okay. (laughs) But I read uh, this paragraph. This actually was a Kotaku article that it's in ridiculously good condition, meaning it's in its original shrink wrap. And it's a landmark Nintendo game, but it also has the original hang tab style box where, and again, I didn't know this before we started dating, it's that perforated tab on the back that could be popped out so it could hang on the shelf. Right. So you're thinking an ingenious marketing ploy by Nintendo. Hey, look, you can just flip this tab and put our product on your shelf. Except it's made out of cardboard. (laughs) So you're going to hang it on a shelf for one second and then it's going to get ripped (laughs) off the shelf. But to Worst find, idea ever. To find a, um, a video game box that doesn't have that popped out is rare because most stores would have popped it out to hang it on the shelf, right? Yes. Now, here's what I don't understand. If it's made of cardboard and it's still in its original shrink wrap, how did they pop it out? Okay. So, well, this is an interesting case because I'm looking at this copy and if you if you look at the top of the picture here. Mm-hmm. Can I see on my screen? Yes. So on the top of the picture here, this is actually a plastic hang tab. Oh. This was added to the game to hang on the shelf without having to pull the cardboard hang go. tab. So would this be what I would consider factory shrink wrapped? Maybe? I don't really recall. Well, um, but if anything, though, it, it, it would, like, that style wouldn't have damaged the box. Right, exactly. Like, the worst case scenario is this would have been pulled the plastic off the back and partly opened it, but it wouldn't have damaged the box. Or was it before they introduced the cardboard hang style? Well, let's take a look, because it says it's in the original hang tab style box, which had a perforated tab on the back. So this is what we, this is also what we call an original five screw. So... NES cartridges are screwed together with three screws. Okay. Kind of a triangle shape. One in the middle. Yes. Two, one in the lower left, one in the lower right. And then it's kind of like a plastic tab that slides in the top of the cartridge. You fold it down and then you screw them in. Well, the original games, instead of having two plastic clips at the top that it slid into, yeah. had f- two screw holes up there. No. So we call those five screw games. Do you have any? Because I've never seen those. I Actually, I have this game. Do you want to grab my copy and see if it's a hang tab Ooh, version? Let's find I'm out. pretty sure it's not. Um, but if it is, it could be cool. So the hang tab versions just prove that those were an original print of the game because the hang tab versions and the five screws, those only ran for a certain amount of time before Nintendo changed the style of boxes they had. Let me see the back of that. So that is not a hang tab version. Okay. So my any my Super Mario Brothers mint in but the box yours, is not a hang tab. But yours doesn't have the shrink wrap. Right. But th- what this would be is if you took the shrink wrap off, there would still be a hang tab that was in the back here. You oh. would pull that out and then hang the box on the okay, shelf. Okay, I see. And, and, and so this one doesn't have it. So this is basically a newer print of the same game because these games are in print for years. Mm-hmm. So this is an original five-screw hang tab box. Because if you remember when I got that really nice NES lot in, not maybe it was it was like it was like 
that year for Christmas. So it was a year a year ago Christmas. Yes. I got all those ones delivered to the store uh-huh. to the house here. Or I brought them home here or whatever. And uh, a lot of those were hang tab versions. So there were certain games like Kid Icarus, which it mint in the box was like a sixty or seventy dollar game. However, the hang tab version, hundred dollars, hundred and ten dollars. And some of those that didn't have weren't even Right, they weren't punched. No, yeah. and you were I remember you being that's where I learned a lot about it because sure. I didn't know much about it. And Greg was so impressed. Well, mostly because it was uh one person owned these these games and had not damaged them. They looked like they had just been bought it was insane yeah well what's 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 crazy to me though is that now they're saying and this is basically nintendo age forums are like a forum where a lot of collectors go and apparently there's a well-known collector there who said that there are probably only a dozen examples of this current style which is wow. the style with the hang tab box and like that uh with this copy being uh the best condition easily by far uh, so that was, so it shows though that there is some real value in original and first prints. So it makes you go, man, like nowadays, what could I get now that will be that rare in 20 or 30 years? I don't know. Everything's plastic. And... I don't know. And, and that's the other thing too, is they overproduce everything now. Like True. back then they might make a, a run of 2000. Now they make a, a minimum run of 20,000. It's just the way it is because there's just that many more people interested in the hobby. But it is really, really incredible that it was $30,000, though. I mean, here's what's also more incredible. There were more than one person fighting for that. That's how it got pushed to $30,000. And so the person who sold it, so this is kind of weird. It says, uh, the seller is a longtime retro game dealer based in Pennsylvania called DK Oldies. He put the game up for a no-reserve auction starting at one penny. But here's what's (laughs) weird. It says, its CEO, Drew Stimel, says the game along with other mint and sealed NES games, have been sitting in his office for years. So they have a CEO of this company? I guess. DK. Okay, it doesn't matter. Who cares? But anyway, he finally decided to let him go, and he goes, I wish I knew how he got it, he said. It was traded in with a collection years ago, and they just had it sitting there. Now, what I have at my store, I have maybe five or six sealed NES games in the back room, and I'm I'm doing what I call letting them cook. So I leave (laughs) them in the back room, and I'm letting them simmer. And I want that price. I'm going to sit on them for 20 more, 30 years. Who knows how long I'm going to sit on them until I can't sit on them any longer. And then I'm going to hope that they're worth a fraction of what some of these things are worth. Well, here's something funny. So I looked at this DK Oldies on eBay. And there was an auction that just ended on the 26th. That was four factory sealed brand new games with the H-Seam. Nintendo... Uh, NES and the Sega Genesis and the Atari 2600. $11,000. That's incredible. It was Kid Icarus, Solar Jetman for the Nintendo NES, Championship Pro Am for the Sega Genesis, and the best worst game. I think this is the one for the 2600 ET. The extraterrestrial. Is that oh, the sure. one that they put in the landfill? Yeah, yeah, that's the one they buried. <laughs> I mean, this this is also very incredible to me, though. I don't see why this is worth that much either. I really I don't, don't either. But I I guess there's something to be said about brand new, factory sealed, never been opened, was maybe in a landfill? Question <laughs> mark. But obviously, there is a market for some of these types of. Well, so I'm gonna look something up brand new. Okay, so. 
because this is really bothering me. Um, let me see if I can find NES game. I don't know. I'm trying not to. F okay. So, for instance, I looked up NES brand new game. Right now, you can buy a copy of Maniac Mansion with an H seam in perfect condition for $300. Mm-hmm. Here's a mint. Now, this isn't necessarily what they're worth. This is what people are trying to sell them for. Sure. Mint and box brand new Final Fantasy, $995. So, okay, Whoa. so let's say 1000 bucks. Why is why are these why are those other four games commanding eleven thousand dollars? Does it make any sense? Here's Trojan, brand new factory sealed, two hundred dollars. Dr. Mario, factory sealed H seam, sixty-eight dollars. Well here's here's the thing. I mean I'm looking at the bids and the bids started at obviously it started at a penny and somebody bid a buck and then five, fifty, a hundred, hundred and fifty, and then within a day it had already reached $800 and then so that was on the 22nd at 8:55 p.m. by the time the 23rd ran around it was already at 2000 and what i don't understand is why we've got a bit amount of 5500 and then a bit of 11,000. That doesn't make it any sense. It just goes from 5500 to 11,000. Most likely whoever put whoever beat the 5500 one, he put his max bid at like 10,999. Oh, so the next bid it. that technically beat him had to be 11,000. Okay, would so be my guess on if that. If that's the case, then somebody bid 25,000 $2500, okay? The very next bid was eleven thousand dollars so it jumped from twenty five hundred to eleven thousand mm -hmm. dollars then somebody bid fifty five hundred and then it jumped up to eleven thousand so somebody put a whatever you called it for eleven thousand dollars so it wasn't probably going to get any bigger than twenty five hundred unless until these these last four bidders yeah so i mean it's really it was really it, important to that guy it's or it's girl. In, it's incredible to me though because i understand that's a rarity but like n new games aren't going for that much and, and so the, the the super mario one i can understand because if there's really only a very small print run of that specific style a true 100 percent collector gets every box variant of every game. So they'd have almost a thousand games instead of the normal like 600 plus. Okay. Because they want to get, they'll get both Metroid boxes, the yellow box and the gray box. They'll get the gray box hang tab, the gray box non hang tab. So mm -hmm. they'll have like four copies of Metroid. They'll Oy. have like eight or nine copies of Super Mario Brothers. Fine. But that other one that sold for 11,000, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking at any of those games and saying, wow, I must have those. So I don't know if I'm partly saying that I feel like maybe it's a hoax. Well, it could very well be the the bid the bidding breakdown is very very strange, and I'll have you look at this later because to me it doesn't make any sense. Well, and I'm and I'm thinking about this now. So like all of a sudden, I didn't actually go into the article thinking this. Now I'm going in this. I'm going away from that. I'm going into this guy's just doing it to boost his business. <laughs> Maybe. And so then so then he sold this game at this crazy price, and all these news articles are talking about him, and he's on the Atari or Nintendo Age forums. And and then all of a sudden he has another one sell for eleven thousand. You tell me that he doesn't have thousands of people looking at his eBay page now. Probably. We just you're, did it. The two of us just did it. You're oh my gosh, you're probably right. I, am I like, am I just that cynical now? Am I just? Well, can I not just enjoy anything? Is that what's happening? Let's take a look. <laughs> but oh, it's kind of the same way. 
I'm looking at this going, okay, it started at a penny. And then by the end of the first day, it was at 1200. And then by the time it was a few days later, it was up to 5900. But then here's what's weird. This is the breakdown of how this goes in terms of time. It's $8,000, then $12,000, $9,000, $8,000, $15,000, $30,000. So you're telling me that somebody bid $15,000 more than the top bid? There's I a lot of weird stuff. Fishy. There's a lot of weird stuff going on in this one with that went at eleven thousand. Something is fishy. So, so this one person bid up to twenty five hundred on the eleven thousand. Then the next bidder went up to eleven thousand one hundred. Then the next bid was five thousand, which means that person's bid got <gasps> removed. Here's what's interesting: the person who won the eBay bid for the Nintendo. It's M star 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 E with 4404. <laughs> That's the person who won the bid for the four factory yeah. field games. Shenanigans. Yep. I'm calling it. I'm calling it right now. That guy, that's that's <gasps> an account they own and they boosted it. That is yep. bullshit. So here's what I'm looking at. Um, So I clicked on that user's history, which they don't have the full username. But it shows here that uh, he's bid on 180 items. And all in 30 games. days. In 30 days. You know what he's doing? He's boosting his own auctions Yo. for extra money. This guy is a straight scumbag. This Isn't that illegal in eBay? Uh, you would lose your account for that, yeah. <gasps> we have to do this. This is this is too important. Well, I kind of want to contact... Contact Kotaku? So check this out. So it's... Hmm. See, it has different Something's, sellers, though. But something is so weird. Okay, so this is... Okay, this actually tells you the last bid they've made. In the last hour, Yeah. he has made eight bids. This this user has made eight bids on different auctions. Okay. So in one hour, this guy's bid on eight different items. That's weird. Yeah, that's really weird. That, um, uh... And he's got 4,400 feedback. So, you okay, I've been on eBay for... Oh my God, probably 16 years. Okay. And my feedback's 560. <laughs> now, I don't, uh, I, I bought a lot, but I didn't sell a lot. But when you buy a lot, you can't tell me he's got all that rating from, well, let's see. I don't know. I smell something fishy though, Greg. This is, this is not something that we should sit on. Yeah, this, this feels uh, incredibly shady to me. That's just it's like, funny we uncovered a mystery. Like I didn't do this to uncover a mystery. I thought we'd talk about a really rare, expensive game, and now we like uncovered us. There's definitely something going on. There's here. shenanigans. There's the, shenanigans afoot. So un unless there's that guy is just watching this seller and trying to get all of his rare stuff, but that auction is not worth eleven thousand dollars. But here's the thing: you got to think about this Nintendo factory sealed in box Super Mario Brothers. Why would you bid? The object of eBay is to get the best price for your item that you're bidding on. Why would you purposely bid $15,000 more than the highest bid when it has not gone up that drastically well, for me, the entire yeah. auction? Let me, let me look at that one because... Uh... It makes no sense. Nobody does that. Nobody says... I want that Super Mario Brothers in box. $15,000? Screw it. 30000 Suck it. 
Nobody does that. Yeah, no, no. Well, and and you can do that. But nobody but yeah. does that. So what I'm seeing here, because M Star EE is one who took it to 15,000. Yes. Okay. It's fishy. The person who bid the first 11,000 on this auction is the same A star 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 zero. So when you go back to this one, but here's the thing. That's the guy who got his bid removed. Because oh, okay. it went from 11000 back down to 5000 oh. after that, which means that person might have been falsely bidding on things just to dry, just to, you know, buy it and not have to pay for it. A lot okay. of sellers have to deal with that, so that's crappy. But there's also this other guy, this M star 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 I. And if you look at the feedback, right? So look at the feedback of everybody here. It's 100, 200. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, somebody shows up with 4,000 feedback, and then someone else shows up with 4,400 feedback. It just doesn't make it any It doesn't sense. make any sense to me. Unless, by some chance, it's another reseller, and they think they can get it cheap, and they're trying to get it so they can resell it and flip it for a couple thousand bucks profit well, or something. if that was the case, why would he bid $30,000? I don't know, because he just set the market at 30000 So it's, you know, and, and so what's possible here is that A, star, star, zero might have set the bid at 30000 because... He was trying to win it to not pay for it. Mm. So because this one ended first, this was the this was the Mario one. So that whoever's selling this might have saw that he was trying to up the bids and not pay for it. Right. But why then did magically M star star E mm-hmm. show up to win this auction at thirty thousand one hundred, just one hundred dollars above, and then M star E E shows up just in time to. And, oh my goodness, okay, <laughs> he's exactly, okay, so if we take into what we know, A star star zero bid up, that's the guy we think is the false bidder, right? but not part of the group. He bid 11100 mm-hmm. then that bid got taken out. Okay. Then the bidding was back down to 5567 Yes. And then Mr. M star star E, the winner of both auctions, uh-huh. comes in at exactly $100 over what a star 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 zero came in, which was 11,200. So here's what I think. Here's my final prognosis. A star star zero Mm -hmm. is their boosting account. Okay. They boost with this. And if they boost too high and they win the auction and no one else is in sight to win it, then they either cancel that bid. So it reverts back to the previous high bidder. Yeah. Or they'll have M star star E will come in and he's another account and he overbids. And he over and he and he overbids to make sure that it doesn't sell for less than they want to get for it. Then they basically will cancel the auction. They don't have to pay eBay fees on it, and then they will relist it at another time. <gasps> then they don't get negative feedback. There's because... no one to leave feedback. Oh. Plus, they're the winner anyway, and they can't leave feedback if they cancel the auction. And they don't have to pay fees if they tell eBay that this, you know, that the transaction didn't go through. Those rats. Mm-hmm. And they might be doing it with multiple accounts because you can only do that so many times mm-hmm. before eBay will be like, wait a minute, if this guy keeps making fraudulent bids, we're going to ban his account. Or they, they, like you said, get the money that they think they deserve for the games that they're selling and then they don't cancel it because they get what they want. That's, that's shady. If that's I, true. I want to email this guy who wrote the article and just be like, hey, like, will you do a little bit of digging on this? Because this is weird. I think you should. Or we'll see if after. I could break the story. Yeah, we won't do that on air. You know, we'll move on. But anyway, so I guess this turned into a mini, mini murder mystery. That was kind of fun. Ooh, busting see, eBay. all because I was like, what? And that then was, I looked and I'm like, this don't make no sense. That was weird. That, that was, was weird. weird. So an actual happy story. Yay. Jen, moving along. So Alas. not that we had any doubt, mm-hmm. but our main story of the night. Is a duh. 
is that Nintendo's doing all right. They're doing okay. So ever since the, there's a joke that's kind of floats around the internet that um, whenever a system comes out, the people who don't like that system always say, I don't like this, this, and this about it. They're doomed. Yeah, I know, right? When the PS3 came out at $600 and it didn't have all the features people wanted, it was doomed. <laughs> when the Xbox One came out and was going to make people, you know, not allowed to use used games, it was doomed. Everything's doomed. <laughs> and so there's a funny meme that says Nintendo, uh, which I, I can't remember the exact year they were incorporated. I think it was like 1889 or something they've been around since when they were making like playing cards back in the day. 1889? 1889. Because they started off no. as, a, as a playing card company. I gotta look that up. And uh, so there's like a funny meme out there that says Nintendo doomed since 1889 <laughs> because it's just what people say and it's always it's always oh my god doom and gloom and oh my god this sucks. 1889 and, in the Kyoto Prefecture. Yep. No way. So uh, we were there. Um, well, s- not well, not the pre at that time. At that time. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> only 130 years later. Yeah, it counts. It counts. Uh, so, okay. So this article I found interesting because right now, a lot of people, we've talked about this a little bit on the show before. A lot of people right now are incredibly turned off and burned by the Wii U. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. It we've came talk- out. Yeah, we've we've talked about the confusion surrounding it. The confusion surrounding the name. They didn't release a lot of software. Like no. a year before the Switch came out, they weren't releasing any Wii U games. Like Nintendo just didn't have the right launch strategy, the right release uh, window strategy. They just, they, they botched the whole system. Not a bad system, by any stretch. They just botched how they released it. So the Switch comes out, and there's a lot of fans out there that just don't, and I, I work with two of them, <laughs> uh, Dom and Dave, they just don't want to buy a Switch because they're like, you know what? Screw Nintendo. That's what they feel. Aww. And again, but here's how I feel. I'm not mad at them for that. They got burned by a company. They have no obligation to support that company going further. They're voting with their wallets, and I respect that. However, I feel a little bit bad for them (laughs) because they've chosen a bad system to boycott since this is a good system to play. This is not the system that you want to be sleeping on and say, well, I'm not going to get a Switch because I didn't like the Wii U. You're you're slipping. Mm -hmm. You you do that, and you're going to regret it because there is some seriously awesome software on it right now. And there's more awesome software coming, and the system's only been out for four months. I know, isn't that crazy? It's incredibly hard to believe. I mean, it's I guess it's closer to five months now in a couple weeks, but that's it. Well, they sold 4.7 million units by the end of the year. We've said this before on here too. By the end of the year, they will have surpassed the total amount of Wii U mm-hmm. sold. In its lifetime, yep. by the end of this year, if they meet their projections. 13.6 million Switch games. Have been sold? Wow. 13.6 million Switch games. So essentially the Switch is printing money at this point. It's, it's, it's incredibly successful. I've never had a doubt. Like as soon as I heard what the Switch actually was, I was excited. Oh yeah, And, for and sure. we're going to call them out when they do stupid stuff. The Nintendo app for chatting while playing games, stupid. Dumb. Not Not going to work around it. It Gotta does, work it, on that. It does do some cool stuff. I love the stat tracking. Just don't love the actual app for voice communication as it currently stands. But at this time last year, Nintendo posted a 5.13 billion yen loss. At the same quarterly area this year, they are operating technically at a 5, well, it's 4.7 billion yen positive. Oh my God. So uh, now, and, and just as a, Quick explanation of this. I don't want to bog you too much with like business stupid crap. But when someone says they posted a 5.13 billion yen loss, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean they lost 5 billion yen 
in like they did they didn't lose that money they didn't go negative yes oftentimes what happens is they make a projection i'm gonna put this into easier numbers they made a projection of saying we're gonna hit 20 million then they only made 15 million mm-hmm. guess what they took a loss of 5 million yes well, that's not a loss they still made 15 yeah, that's true but in the business world that's how it's looked at and when you're a publicly traded company then uh investors will look at that and say hey you operating at a loss because you're not getting us the profits you're telling us you're supposed to get and that's even though the company's still making money, it's bad from an investment standpoint. Mm-hmm. So they went from being 5 billion yen under what they projected to being 5 billion over oh, what man. they projected, which is incredible. And now part of this last year, part of the loss was actually Pokemon Go mm. because they announced Pokemon Go and Nintendo shares skyrocket. Yes. But then all of a sudden it comes out that, well, for one, Nintendo only gets a cut of the profits because they basically are taking a royalty on all the profits made. Mm-hmm. But then it also came out was that they announced that already on a previous earnings call. And so their stock went up X amount because of that already. And then so people got it again. And we're like, wait a minute, we already upped stock. Oh God. And then people sold <laughs> off again because it was dumb. So it was, it was kind of a weird thing. But so I'm looking at some of these games, Mario Kart eight in April sold three and a half million copies for a game that already came out on the Wii U. What? Okay. 3.5 million arms, which is a whole new IP a whole new type of game, mm-hmm. 1.18 million. Like a lot of games, if they can sell 300 to 400,000 are considered successful. And that was only released in June. That was in June. That's two months. And then uh, Legend of Zelda. Zelda sold Oof. 1.16. It says 1.6 worldwide, 3.92 cumulative. So I'm oh, guessing that's God. the Wii U version and the Switch oh, version. Oh, sure. Uh, altogether, the sales volume for Nintendo Switch hardware and software came to 1.97 million units. And 8.14, uh, 1.97 million systems and 8.14 million games. And the numbers. It's incredible. That, it's incredible. Exactly. The numbers that I referenced were actually worldwide life to date. Mm, so yes. So 4.7 okay. million units right. for Switch hardware and 13.6 million for Switch games. But I am completely baffled. And I'm very excited for the new Mario game to come out, obviously. Mm-hmm. Me too. Because I'm going to play the crap out of that. Because it's very reminiscent for me of Super Mario 64. Which yep. is one of my... 64 and Galaxy. Or absolute, 64 and Sunshine reminds me of. Yep. One of my absolute favorite Mario games is Nintendo's, uh, Mar- Super Mario nin- on the Nintendo 64. Big fan. Hmm. Big fan. Yeah. it's it, it, That game is going to be... if If... Once that game comes out, you really don't have a reason not to get a Switch anymore. Very true. I mean, I understand, obviously, not everyone can afford it, and I don't mean like that. But if you can afford it and you've been holding out because you just don't want one because you don't think there's any good games, Nintendo's playing it very smart right now, too. They have plenty of indie games coming out to fill the gap between the weeks when they don't have a big release coming out. Like, Nintendo is hitting it hard. Yeah. They're doing it the right way. They're doing it just as well as Sony did it with the PS4, and they're getting the sales to back that up. The only real problem they're running into is they're short on hardware. Which normally people say, well, that's Nintendo. They're creating an artificial shortage. That's actually not happening this time around. No. They're selling well. And when they went back to their chip manufacturers to say, hey, we need more chips to make more systems. They said, oh, well, unfortunately, those are the same chips that Apple needs for the new iPhone in September. So we can put you on the backlog, but you're not getting them right now. (laughs) So they're still getting their promised units they were already going to get. But they're not able to ramp up production right now. I can't believe it. They told Nintendo no. Yeah. 
No, you can't have these yep. microprocessors. Nope. We'd love to give them to you, but there's one company on the planet that's way bigger than you, and that's called Apple. And we're going to give them everything they uh-huh. want because they help us out more. No, it's not. No, actually, I'm sorry. It's not microprocessors. It's like semiconductors or something like that. I'm not sure exactly what it is. I'm actually reading this comment uh, on the article that we're referencing, and... It looks like we are in, this person is saying we are in a current shortage of semiconductors, apparently. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is affecting the switch as its production time competes against other devices. But I think it's more likely that Nintendo undersupplied as they enjoy selling hardware at a profit and having hardware sitting unsold on shelves eats away from future sales. <laughs> well, and and it's uh, it's so crazy because in Japan... The Switch is taking off, I'd, I'd argue, more than it is here. Aren't they having trouble finding the Switch as well? I mean, correct. wasn't it like a big deal when GameStop had some Switches? Or somebody came into your store and you had a couple Switches on the shelves? Yeah, and, I had a, yep, yep. And it was like, oh, wow, you actually have them? And it was a surprise. Well, and what's strange is I, f- I, I have occasionally i've i'm when i'm out and about i've seen switches enough like i could have bought another five or six switches if i really wanted to i've seen them at best buy a couple times seen them at walmart a couple times so they're around but they're not readily available to everyone who wants them in japan when they're going to get a huge shipment there's lines lining up around the block trying to get one just like day one it's like that five months later now again if nintendo had caused this artificially i'd be quite upset at them but it's not their fault that a system took off well, now here's what I will say, because I said the same thing about the Wii when it came out. They weren't sure the Wii was going to take off, so they made limited quantities mm-hmm. that first year. However, after three years, the Wii was still sold out during Christmas. That's called artificial shortages. Yeah. They're doing that on purpose so that they can have the hottest toy that you can't have at Christmas. And you know what? Not a bad marketing play, because for some reason, us weird Americans love stuff we can't have. <laughs> and when you can't have it, you want it even more. It makes oh. no sense because we're stupid creatures, so it doesn't matter. Oh, you want taxation with representation? Yeah. Mm, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Pesky colonials. Um, but yeah, so that's all good news. I mean, here's what I'll always say. It's the same thing when I talk about GameStop, okay? I never want to see GameStop go out of business. You don't want to see Nintendo get out of business. In the hobby we love, we want everyone to be successful. We all go forward together. And if... Nintendo is doing something different. We want to support them because we don't want five machines that all play the same games. Like, you know, if it was just the Xbox One and the PS4, it'd be kind of lame. Yeah. It's nice to have a wild card. Mm-hmm. Throw Nintendo in with something different, a different experience. You know, it's a handheld that can dock at home, touchscreen, um, Mario games. Like, like that's you need all that. And you need that to be different. You don't just want to have Mario on the PS4. It's just, it's not going to be the same. Yeah. You know, and I say that as somebody who loved Nintendo for a long time as a kid. Hated them for a long time as an adult and have come back around. You know, I love, I've always been a Nintendo gal. I mean, I, I liked them and I always wanted them to be better than they were. You know, like like with the Wii and the Wii U, I just felt like, here's what I always felt. I felt like I grew up and Nintendo didn't grow up with me. Oh. That's what I always felt like. But, you know, now I don't feel that way anymore. Now I feel like they're trying to appeal to everyone. So. I don't know. I mean, I was playing a GameCube up until the point that, I mean, we met. <laughs> yeah, I'm still playing yeah. a game. I was rocking the GameCube. <laughs> um, no, that's and that's and that's awesome. And the GameCube, I think, was a good system. But again, that was their biggest attempt to try to be like the other guys. Mm-hmm. They were just trying to port all the PS2 and Xbox games, and you know, yada yada. So anyway, Nintendo's doing great. 
which is good for all of us. Even those people that don't like Nintendo, it's good for you because a good company and good competition gives us better products. Very so I'm true. Say that. So with that being said, that's our podcast for today. My game recommendation of the week. I am straying a little far on this one, babe. Uh-huh. I'm going to recommend an iPhone game. What? Oh, I know what game you know. Gonna... <laughs> you know what I've been playing, like, obsessively over the last week. I do. Everyone, listen. Okay, everyone, everyone, let's sit down. Okay. Are you comfy? Do you have a chair? Okay. <laughs> you need to play this game on the iPhone. It's on the App Store. It's called PPKP. It's short for Punch, Punch, Kick, Punch. So I'm going to do my best to describe this game, but you should be downloading it right now, and you'll be able to play it in a minute. Well, give them a minute to pull up their app store or Google Play. Okay, yeah. I'm all not right, doing good. <laughs> okay. That's all. Um, so it's a, it's at its core, it's a clicker. Graphically, it looks like River City Ransom, which is one of my favorite Nintendo games. It's got an awesome 8-bit look, color, music. It's all there. It's all good. And you basically play as someone who aliens have invaded the world and they have trashed your city. So you have... You, you go to fight them, and it's almost turn-based type combat because you get to fight, and then when you're out of combo moves, they get to fight. And you have two buttons. You have a punch and a kick button. And you do them in different orders to do different combos. You go through, you fight them, you make money. After you lose health, you get kicked back to your house. You go, you eat some food to get your health back up. You also level up that way. And then eventually you can buy new combos and new scrolls, and then you get materials by beating up cars, and then use those materials to fix up the town, and then you go back to kick more aliens' butts, and it's awesome. <laughs> and the game flows really, really well. It's a free-to-play game. The microtransaction stuff is not pushy at all. There's ads in the game, but they're not really very intrusive. Uh, and it's just, it it, it it works. And I never play iPhone games because they're so annoying to me. <laughs> and this one is so good. It's so good. I just had to say it. So anyway, PPKP on the App Store. It's not available on Android, I don't believe, but it's on the iPhone App Store for sure. So PPKP. PPKP. Exactly. Do you have a game recommendation this week, Jen? Well, you know, I didn't until I started talking about Super Mario 64. All right. And it's it's fantastic. It's obviously in the Super, Super Mario universe i suppose three-dimensional graphics and mario explores princess peach's castle and there's a there's a pretty good storyline surrounding it yeah there's like paintings hanging Mm -hmm. and you jump into the paintings to go into that level exactly I, i remember when i first played mario 64 i was really in awe of it I really thought it was so cool. And it just, the 3D was amazing and and the sounds and the music was all there. It was just so well done. And it was so cool. I mean, that that game had style and they did a good job of game design where you had to have so many stars before you could go in another door to advance Mm -hmm. further through the castle. I mean, man, that game that game hit it hard. I would love to see like a completely redone, touched up version of that game with better graphics. That would be really cool. Um, That's what I'm hoping Super Mario Odyssey is like. Now, I will say though that... I mean, what really brings that game together is the music. So you've got Koji Kondo, who is very well known in the Super Mario land. And I'm looking at it, and I don't see his name for Super Mario Odyssey. Now, it could be that it hasn't come out yet, so they don't have it listed. But I'm looking at the Wikipedia article for all of the games he's been a composer for. And it's things like, you know, 
the Mario Karts. He did the composition for Super Mario 3D World. He did the composition for The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. The Skyward Sword. He composed the prologue for that. Okay. For Star well, Fox 64. Hopefully they got him back. Super Mario Galaxy. It wouldn't be a Mario game without Koji Kondo. Just mm. Okay. Or Kondo. So if you have somehow been living under a rock the last 20 years, 22 years, and never 20, 21 experienced years, 20 Mario years, game. go play Mario 64. You can get it on the DS if you want to play it handheld or you can buy it for the 64. God, emulate it if you have to. But if you haven't played Mario 64. I, I would be so surprised if there are people that haven't played 64, but it has happened because yeah. you had to be, you know, in the right age range. It was released in the... 1996, I believe. So I was the right age range for that, and it really had a quite an impact on me. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. That's a good recommendation. So yeah. check that out. Uh, and as always, we appreciate you guys listening. You can follow me on Twitter at. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my other one because I've got two Twitter handles. I always have, but I'm trying to push more my drop rate one. So you can look me up at Bros Insanity. B-R-O-S-I-N-S-A-N-I-T-Y. Bros Insanity. It's short for Brothers Insanity. Bros Insanity. I'm at the same one at Game Talk Jen with one N. And she'll keep it nice and simple for you. Yup. And as always, we appreciate you guys listening, and we hope you all have a great day. And we know this was a day late, so we appreciate you being patient with us. And uh, we'll have a, you know, we'll, we'll always be here, and we'll always be trying to give you good content, and we hope you enjoy it. So we, thanks as always. We love you. <laughs> and, we, we, and, and we love you apparently <laughs> have a great day bye 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 bye